0: That there is one of my favorite sounds. It is the sound of my Bialetti stovetop coffee maker telling me it's time for another episode of the Octopus Wars. Sit down, relax, have an espresso or a glass of Malbec and get ready for the next journey into the world of the Octopus Wars. Our program today begins with a letter from frank the cattle rancher from tennessee we the cattle ranchers in tennessee know of a pantano who fell asleep by the watering holes frank thank you very much for your letter um we will get to the bottom of the pantano tale pantano el hombre verde pantano the green man and yes he was a drifter and He would sleep near the watering holes for the cattle. And we will get the archives out and provide you with the official account. So please stay tuned. We will also present then a letter that we received from Thailand from Andrew. And his letter corroborates uh, what you mentioned about the mysterious Pantano and how Pantano contributed to Argentine society. Upon hearing these tales, listeners from all around the world naturally ask themselves, what what is this term? What does this mean? What does empacho mean? What does dulce de leche mean? And so um, I think it's very important, uh, just to be accurate historically, to define these terms for our listeners. And fortunately, we have definitions for these terms that are provided by the historical figures who use them. So we have some definitions provided by Catface Laguna, some provided by Dr. DeVartolo. For example, empacho. Now, when I was little, um, I had the procedure of sacar el empacho, which means to remove the empacho, done to me several times. But I will not attempt to define uh, the term myself. Instead, I will use um, the definition provided by Dr. DeVartolo, esteemed Dr. DeVartolo. And Dr. DeVartolo writes, Empacho, a stomach ailment caused by blockage in the digestive system. It results from diets that are rich in fat and protein, but lacking plant material. Its treatment involves repeatedly pulling on the skin, or cuero, which means leather, uh, repeatedly pulling on the skin, or cuero, from usually a child's back. The tugging of the skin starts right below the neckline and terminates near the coccyx. These tuggings and pullings of the skin, which are painful, produce a loud popping sound. After receiving such a treatment, children no longer complain about impacho or about any other ailment and are considered to be cured permanently. The definition for the word empanada also comes from Dr. DeVartolo, who was clearly not just a medical doctor, but quite a scholar. Dr. DeVartolo writes, The term empanada comes from Galician, Portuguese, and Spanish. It means to wrap in bread. The empanada is a dumpling-like pastry made by folding dough around a filling. In Argentina, the filling is usually ground beef, Olives, onions, and small pieces of hard-boiled egg. Every culture in the world has some variation of this dish, and each culture believes that its version of the dish is the best form of empanada. In Mendoza, debate surrounds whether empanadas should be baked or deep-fried. Catface Laguna once told me, It is such a controversy that I can't even ask the patron whether they want it baked or fried. They end up giving me a lecture about how it should only be only one way. My solution was to take empanadas off the menu and serve morsesha as an appetizer. Now, for those of you who don't know, morsesha is blood sausage. Our next definition comes from Don Boca. Now, Don Boca is the father of Lucio from episode one. And Don Boca provides us with a definition of the very popular dulce de leche. And the definition provided by him is as follows. Caramel boiled with milk instead of water. While Tesla and Marconi may have invented the radio, which is a modern-day nuisance, we Argentines invented dulce de leche, which brings peace to the mind. And our last definition for today is of parrishada, which in English would be barbecue. And it is provided to us thanks to our beloved Catface Laguna and Catface writes. Parijada is a mixed grill of various meats, including sirloin, skirt steak, sweetbreads, blood sausage, kidneys, chinchulines, which are intestines, and chorizo. At El Pinguino, it is customary for the caballero to order the parijada, which he eats with his own knife, but for the lady to order a small salad of cucumber and tomato. Every waiter knows that both parties eat only the parishada and that no one ever touches the salad. For this reason, and to not be wasteful in the eyes of the Almighty, we waiters prepare only one dish of salad per day and serve that same dish over and over all day long. Eagle and a lot of fans have been requesting that and it's a tale on the longer side so that's going to be a bigger production so we look forward to producing for episode six uh, The Black Eagle so please stay tuned for that one as well. I want to begin today um, by thanking Doña Ofelia for sending us this beautiful jar of dulce de membrillo and dulce de membrillo is a type of quince paste or quince jam. And if I look up here, the official definition, uh, if you give me one second, it is a sweet jam made from the quince fruit. It provides the filling for many pastries, which during the summertime are enjoyed by the rivers. And I remember uh, as a child eating a uh, little fried pastries that were served in baskets uh, alongside the river. The rivers in Córdoba. So I would like to thank uh, Donia Ofelia for this wonderful um, treat. I will definitely enjoy it. And Donia Ofelia gave it to us with a note. And the note says, this is the kind of membrillo that Lucio would have brought to Dr. DeVartolo. So Doña Ofelia is, is referring to episode one. And this is the exact type of membrillo that Lucio would have brought to Dr. DeVartolo. And um, Doña Ofelia mentions that it's different from some of the variants that exist today in the grocery stores of uh, South America. I encourage all the listeners and fans of The Octopus Wars to visit our website. Uh, On the website, and there is a link attached to uh, the podcast, we have a Fans Corner section, and I've been receiving uh, drawings and and illustrations from around the world, and we have one from Eric Weiner titled, Catface Laguna Holding an Onion, and in parentheses, The Eye of the Translucer. Well, I don't want to give away the ending of that tale, which was episode two, but uh, it's a beautiful drawing, and you could see Cat Face Laguna, sitting on a crate of onions and holding an onion. And next to him, there is the sign for El Pinguino Restaurant. We also have the drawing I mentioned previously uh, of the Translucer by John Enzo Rizzo. Um, And that is a beautiful drawing. And you can see there and written on there, it says unseen by all and heard by none. And it's the whole uh, passage about the Translucer going through the canals of Venice. Also on that website, on the fans corner, you will see Donia Maria Falsone. She sent us a photograph of the Onyx pillbox that actually belonged to Dr. DeVartolo and that was on his desk. Um, the, the desk of Dr. DeVartolo was explained in great detail in, in, in Lucho's account. We have now a photograph of this. It's a kind of an amber color. Perhaps it's more greenish but it's an onyx pillbox that belonged to the famous doctor. Last, there is a beautiful photograph of the Andes with this mysterious mist above it. And this photograph was sent in by Juan Arauco. I also received a letter from a judge, Tarantini, from New Jersey. And Judge Tarantini uh, asks, do you happen to have a copy of that book by Philip Jennings? The book titled Beneath the Sierras of Córdoba. No, Your Honor. Unfortunately, I do not have a copy, but I am in the process of getting one. And as soon as I get a document like that, of course, I will share it with all of the listeners of The Octopus Wars. But I did find a document that belonged to Romy. And again, Romy was short for Romulus. And from Romy, we have the first-person accounts of Last Voyage to Coronado and also of another tale for a future episode of The Octopus Wars. And this note from Romy, uh, written in 1999, states the following... To the best of my knowledge, the following stories are all true. Hence, this is really a book of history. A history of the social, natural, and unexplained events that took place in a traditionally overlooked region of the world, the winemaking immigrant province of Mendoza, Argentina. Mendoza was the land of mountains, condors, giant sycamores, and Italian immigrants who worked in the wineries and vineyards the events here reported occurred at a time when the rest of the world was grappling with war and devastation. Now, in the year of 1999, there are many excellent books on the subject of World War II, but none treating the magical events that have lived only in my memory. My academic disposition compels me to report and archive these stories with the necessary appendices and annotations so that the events can enter the mind of everyone, and thus become a brief chapter in our story of the world. Signed, Romy, December 1999. About these uh, tales, Professor Jacques Ellesandre Champignon from France, um, a a Vengate scholar, as we will learn later, um, and also a professor of... um, philology and dialectical hermeneutics professor Ellison writes these tales contain the truths that reality lacks that is the tales contain the truths that reality lacks and adds if this statement is false then it is true hmm, well this is quite deep and interesting i i guess if a statement is stating this statement is false, and the statement is false, then it is true. I will have to think about this some more. Um, it sounds, if the statement is false, then, and if it is it is false, it must be true. Well, anyway, I'll have to spend some time thinking about this, as I spend a lot of time thinking about other statements by the very uh, profound and deep uh, Professor Jacques of, uh Professor of Dialectical Hermeneutics, and philology, and a Vengata scholar. I really appreciate uh, his insights and welcome them, and I'm sure I will learn more about the world by studying this uh, statement of his, that these tales are more contain more truths than are contained in reality. Our next letter comes from Susanna Moynihan from Bloomington, Indiana. And Susanna asks, I was wondering why do all the tales fall under the rubric of the octopus wars? Susanna, this is a great question. And I do have some documents that begin to provide an answer. For now, this is all we have so far, but I'm sure that future episodes of The Octopus Wars will clarify this matter still further. No one's life is a straight run through, said Eusebio Spelga to his mirror image. Against the bathroom wall of a small pensione off the street Libertador, a frameless mirror in autumn moonlight Mm -hmm. created a portrait of a man lost in an abyss of sadness. Searching deep into his own eyes for the remnants of the glory that once was, all that could be found was the last thing that Eusebio wanted to see, the image of a simple and humbled man. We are thrown around like pebbles, yet we try to cling here and there like small crabs holding on to the corals, resisting the shocking waves. Today, the old ladies refer to me as Eusebio the weak-spirited grocer, or Eusebio who drinks a little too much. They don't understand that when a man loses everything, when all is lost, he starts to do strange things, things that go against what he once was. But this doesn't mean that his sins don't weigh heavy upon his soul. I am not what I thought I was going to be. I was once a great hero. I was once a great octopus. Hi, I'm Andrew from Pattaya City in Thailand. Years ago, I heard a funny story about Pattano, the drifter. I would love to hear it again. Thank you. Another tale from the world. The Octopus Wars. Pantano, El Hombre Verde. Pantano was a drifter. At night, he would often fall asleep next to watering holes for cattle. This caused him to contract some kind of algae infection, which made his skin a bit greenish, hence the name El Hombre Verde, which means the green man. He wore one of those small black gaucho hats. Society thought he was useless, just your usual vagabond, but he wasn't. The campesinos started noticing that in whatever town Pantano slept, that town would then be rid of bedbugs. So one family from every town would invite Pantano over for supper and to stay the night. Because wherever town he went to and wherever he slept, that town would then be free of bedbugs. Pantana would bring with him a large canteen filled with a special campesino moonshine made from the seed of the Malbec grape. And this was a very, very strong moonshine. The rumor was that before going to sleep, Pantana would rub his hands together excitedly and say, I have a little treat for you, my little friends. You will really love what I brought you tonight. He would then gulp down the moonshine. When lying on the bed and right before falling to sleep, he would say, Come and get it, bloodsuckers. The next day, on the streets and sidewalks of Mendoza, one could see intoxicated bedbugs zigzagging everywhere, crawling aimlessly. The streets were full of these critters, who were near death because of the potent moonshine they had ingested. Entire families, boys and girls, would come out and stomp on the bedbugs with sandals and flip-flops. This was quite a fun ruckus. And that would be the last of the bedbugs, all thanks to Pantano, El Hombre Verde.